0: All right, here we go. Hello, and welcome again to another episode of the Of Mugs and Men podcast. Um, this one is not going to be fun for me whatsoever. Um, it, it's one of those things I'm very, very reluctant to even dive into this. So I'm going to be as careful as I possibly can, um, because I know this is a sensitive subject in today's um, in today's world, in today's uh climate, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into some politics today because one of the things that I um wanted to do when I first started this um this adventure into YouTube and stuff is I, I wanted to talk about cultural issues. And there's a lot of stuff that's happening right now. Um Donald Trump just got indicted. Um he was Uh, obviously he's the former president. He's, he's running again in 2024. He's been very open about this. He's doing his normal Trump stuff of smack talking, the other candidates and, and all this stuff. And what's, what's, uh, what's funny about this and scary all at the same time is the things that have been said and the things that are being said about Donald Trump and about his presidency and, and things like this. And, um, the, the, how can I say this? The people that buy into um, wholesale everything that is being said from the um, Republican Party or the the Trumps, these uh, these QAnon type people, um, the things that are being said there, I think not only are Uh, have this radical kind of tinge to them, uh, you know, and and let me just be clear. I don't, I don't really care. Okay. Let's, maybe we should go down this rabbit hole first. Where do I stand with politics? Where do I stand with Donald Trump? Where do I stand with all these things? Um, Let's, let's do that first. Uh, Maybe I'll get my caveats out of the way before we really dive into this thing. Because again, I'm trying to be careful with this sort of thing because um it's never a good idea to make someone mad. It's never a good idea to make someone mad, to make someone upset, especially somebody that you want that person to hear you out. And um, I do, I want you guys to hear me out. I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from. And I want you to understand that I'm coming from a place of love because I think that's what the Bible tells us to do. You know, I think the Bible is, is pretty clear when it says, Hey, you know, talk to your, I love your neighbor. You know, I I don't want to yell at my neighbor. I don't want to tell him what to believe. I don't want him to to say this is the way that you should think about things. Um, but I, I want to express my own opinions on things, and um, not be and I want to be taken serious, and I don't want to be attacked for those things either. So, um, yeah, where am I at politically? I have really uh, I've gone on kind of a political journey throughout the years. Growing up, I was always, you know, this Republican, right? You kind of grow up in your uh, belief system, especially when it comes to politics. You know, you kind of grow up into these things. And um, I never really left. You know, I'm I'm still a conservative person. Obviously, I'm I'm a Republican. I I vote Republican. Um, Being in this state in particular, West Virginia, um, it's being a Republican is one of those things that um, is kind of... Um, and I'm talking just West Virginia as a whole, um, being a Republican state, it's kind of a new thing. Um, West Virginia for a very long time was a democratic state. It was a blue state for a very long time. And it kind of swung, um, at a certain point. Now we're, you know, we're our total, um, Trump country here. We are 100% Republican. Like our, our house and our Senate and our state is totally Republican. Um, shoot, even, even our, uh, our governor, He got voted in as a Democrat and he he swapped and he went to the Republican Party. So a lot of people were kind of upset about that. But regardless, like coming just where I'm coming from, like I am a Republican, like through and through. Definitely. Um, I'm a conservative person. I hold these conservative values. I I love the Constitution, all these things. And and I also love my Bible. Okay, but the one thing about everything that I just said was, uh, oh, and another caveat, I voted for Trump twice. Okay. I voted for him in, in 16 and in 2020. And we'll get into that later on. Um, but one thing that I said here was very important is I, I love, um, I love my Bible. Okay. I love the Bible more than I love literally anything else. Okay. I, I love my family, but with, without my Bible, I, I wouldn't be able to serve my family. So like, Everything that I do, everything that I think kind of flows out from the Bible, right? When I see certain things coming up in culture, um, things that nobody would have gotten away with years ago, when I see things in culture that we've seen before, you know, out of other members of society and nobody likes these things, Uh, when I see those things happening, my, uh, my, my Christianity takes precedent and I have to speak about these things. Okay. So let's, let's just get that out of there. Right. Let's get that out of there. I'm a fan of Trump. I I liked his policies. I liked those sorts of things, but, uh, I had some issues with things, but who doesn't. And, um, with all that on the forefront, let's start to talk about the craziness that's going on. Okay. The craziness that is politics in America. Okay. And I want to lead into this First, before I get into anything else. Politics in America has become so divisive that it's it's almost like to put like a um, not a biblical twist on this, but to put like a, a church history kind of twist on this. This is like America's going through a reformation. This is something that's like everything, the the parties are splitting themselves. Not just the country splitting, but the parties themselves are splitting. You see splits in the Democratic Party, people vying for different positions. And, you know, you have the Democratic Socialists. You have um, these more conservative kind of, um, oh, what do they call them, like uh, true blue Democrats or, or whatever they call them. The, the people that were kind of like, um, you know, the union type of people back in the day, you know, um, more conservative leaning Democrats you have those, you have those sorts of factions. And then you also have on the Republican side, you have the um, rhinos, you know, the Republican in name only. Um, You have the people that are um, the tea party crowd are still kind of around. And you have people also that are um, like these, um, you you really don't have a whole lot of never Trumpers anymore, but you have people that are like absolutely 100% MAGA Republicans. Right. And the MAGA Republicans right now, are, um, always in the news or they're, they're in the news more right now because of Trump's, uh, you know, run for the presidency one more time. And then you also have his, uh, his grand jury stuff, his indictment. And it literally just happened yesterday that the indictment kind of came down and I've been following this stuff and it almost seemed like, um, they were going to break. They actually had scheduled a month long break, um, before they delivered this indictment. It was like literally the day before I was listening to the news and they said that, you know, this grand jury was going to break for a month. And I thought, oh, well, it's it's probably over. Because uh, if you've been following this indictment um, for the, you know, in, in the last couple of weeks or whatever, you kind of know this is a political thing. You know, you, you understand that all of this is just kind of like, whatever. And, and, you know, that's just the nature of today's politics. And it, it honestly, it's probably been the nature of politics for a really, really long time. But with the uh, onslaught of information that we have, the, um, the technology that we have to, you know, send messages like that, and our access as common folk to information is just incredible. And um, we we kind of see these things in real time, right? Uh, used to be, uh, here's here's a common example. The World War II and the Vietnam War and and like the Iraq War. Okay, or the Gulf War. You had in World War II, you had a president that um wasn't um it, it, he was only scheduled to be on um TV at certain times, right? He had a very specific uh thing he was going to say, very specific um people there to write down what he was going to say, very specific people to record what he was going to say. And there was a lot more, um, I wouldn't say censorship, but there was a lot more decorum with um, our, our um, media landscape. You know what I mean? You had folks that were not willing to show the president in um, his wheelchair. You know, you didn't have folks that were willing to um, make a mockery of, uh, of a president. Right now, of course you always had those people, but for the larger, uh, media conglomerate, you didn't really have that. You just had people that was like, Hey, here's the news this is what we know. And you know, do with it as you will. Um, in the Vietnam war, you had a little bit less of that, uh, or you had a little bit more of that kind of breakdown of like the decorum, right? Cause you had people over there that were snapping pictures and you know, you had, I don't think it was live TV, quite yet, but you had video of actual war going on. And you're, you know, these were not people that were being censored. You know, Um, there's an interesting film series on Netflix called Five Came Back. I think it's called Five Came Back. And it's um, following these um, very famous directors. Um, One of the films from one of the directors that you guys will know is uh, What a Beautiful Life. A lot of people watch it around Christmas time. What a beautiful life. It's a great film. But the director of that film, cannot remember his name, give it a Google, also directed propaganda films for the uh, United States government during World War II. He was commissioned by the U.S. Army, like, hey, come over here, film what's going on on this base, and take it back and direct something. Those were highly censored things highly censored and highly um, it's almost like someone breathing down your neck, like, hey, this is how you're going to make this film. In the Vietnam era, you had more of this film, you had more of these photos, and you had more people understanding back home what was going on in Vietnam, right? And maybe they didn't have a boots on the ground perspective of these things, you know, Um, but they had this reporter's perspective of what was going on. And these reporters are taking pictures of these, um, bodies or, or whatever it is, or these attacks or these airstrikes and this napalm and all this stuff. And, you, and people back home are seeing this and they're thinking, I can't believe that we're doing this. What are we? And then we see widespread protests. We see all these things, people coming, you know, the sad thing of, of uh, soldiers coming home, being spit on and, uh, all these things and attacked. And you see all that. And then you move into some of these modern wars and, you know, I, I guess I won't even talk about, Iraq war and, and Gulf war and stuff like that. We'll just skip straight to what we're in right now, which is the Ukraine war. And this is not something that the U S is involved in right now, except for in a proxy war status, right? We're, we're funding this sort of thing. So, um, yeah, right now you can, you can see in real time, you know, you could, in, in theory, you could have a friend of, um, the same mind as you who lives in Kiev, Ukraine, or lives in Russia, right? Who has the same sort of outlook on the world as you, and you guys could literally be um, sending videos and and messages and screenshots and things, uh, uh, news stories, whatever, back and forth to each other from across the the world, and you would have a, a much broader perspective on what's going on in the world, right? You would actually be able to see, for one of the first times in history, that your government, the US government gave hundred and whatever billion dollars to Ukraine. And you could actually ask your Ukrainian friend, how are they appropriating this money? And you can see it. So it's, it's one of those things that's like, this is an unprecedented time um, in US history, right? And so all that being said, we have all these things going on. And, and you know the reasons for that I've, I've kind of laid out, but we have this um, indictment of a former U S president. And it's not like this, um, this U S president Trump was, you know, the, a guy that was in there in the nineties or anything like that. It's not as if he was in there in the nineties. He was in there like, you know, a couple of years ago, like, <laughs> uh, he left office in January, what, uh 20th, January 20th of, of, um, 21. So like a couple years ago, he was in the Oval Office and now we're seeing, um, all this stuff kind of come out and they're, they're going after him. And it's very obviously it's a political thing. Okay. Um, the reality is, and what sucks about all this stuff for me, um, is that we see all this stuff day to day. We see the corruption, we see, um, the, the, Well, corruption is probably the best word for it. We see all this corruption in our political system that should not be there, that we don't agree with. um, And we turn kind of a blind eye to it. And our politicians, because of their corrupt nature, um, will wield this power whenever they feel fit. One of those powers that they're wielding right now is the fact that, hey, Don, you did something wrong a few years ago. And even though it's an accounting error um, or whatever you want to call it, we're still going to take you down for it. And that's just something that, that it's, it's obviously possible for them to do. And what we are left with as constituents is to just kind of sit back and watch all this stuff happen. Because um, as you guys probably know, it's, it's falling on deaf ears, whatever we want and a lot of times um, it, it doesn't really um, pan out. You know, our, our vote only goes so far. And going back to my political journey on some of this stuff, um, I remember telling some of my folks a few months ago, you know, I've, I've voted for the people that I felt would do what I needed to be done, what I wanted to be done in this state. And this is just a, uh, a state issue type of thing. And I'll be watching to see if those things pan out. And if they don't pan out, then I'm probably done voting because I don't think that I can trust that my vote does anything. Uh, a lot of people would say, well, if you don't vote, then you can't complain. Well, I think non—I think not voting is a vote, if you understand what I'm trying to say here. Um, it's not as if I'm politically aloof. You know, I'm not just watching the the day roll on. I'm just like, I see what happens. I see the game that's being played and I don't want to participate in the game anymore. I just want to, um, be able to say, you know what? Um, i I used to play that and now I don't. And here's the reasons why I don't, I see what's going on and I wish this would happen, but even if I were to vote, I don't think it's going to happen. And and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So that all that being said, um, some of the things that are being said from the maga right from the trump right and people in our churches um it really scares me it really scares me we um we see a lot in our churches now this idea that a politician can um do something can change something So dramatically that it's almost like a savior type of mentality. It's almost as if uh, some people in our churches believe that it's almost as if um, if I vote this way, then um, everything will be restored. And I truly believe that that's a bag of goods that's being sold to us that doesn't reflect reality, because the reality is. Um, everything in politics, everything in law, which is all politics is, is law. uh, Everything moves slow. You know, you can't just walk in on the Oval Office and start signing your name on stuff. If anything, Donald Trump proved that to us because he started signing stuff and they just blocked it and blocked it and blocked it. And and some things got through and some things were written really bad and they you know, went under a lawsuit and then it got thrown out. And it's like everything goes so slow. And for a politician to move in and and say, hey, you vote for me and I'm going to do this and this and this, we've seen this sort of thing before and we know what it is. And it's it's just a lie. And I don't know, maybe they truly believe that they can do something, but we all know uh, inherently that this is just, it's just not something that can happen. The other point that I wanted to make on this uh, is something that we see in our churches with this savior mentality is we see this with um, Donald Trump in... In particular, I've seen things said about Donald Trump. I've I've heard things about Donald Trump being said that I really feel like needs to be addressed because um, if no one else is going to tell you this, I'll tell you. Donald Trump is not your savior. Donald Trump or any politician is not your savior. Um any politician out there that claims that they can do these things with just a flick of a wrist is not telling you the the truth, but it bleeds over into something that really is um, overtaking your theology in a way, okay? So as a Christian, you believe in a certain amount of things. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus uh, came and and died for your sins, that uh, because of that, you you are now enabled to to live this life in in covenant relationship with the Lord that created heaven and earth and and when he when Jesus comes back we're going to get a new heaven, we're going to get a new earth, we get new bodies and we live in eternity in paradise with Jesus. Like if you're a, a Christian, you believe these things, right? So you believe these certain things, right? And and from that belief, from the belief of uh, Jesus did this for me, we understand other things, like we understand that the the Bible is true, like we understand that this is the Word of God. And uh, when I read James, or not James, when I read John one one, it tells me that um, Jesus was the Word at the beginning, so I can trust everything in this. In this, and it, it tells me to love my neighbor and um, all these things. It doesn't tell me how to vote, you know. It doesn't tell me where my politics should lie, and it, it, it certainly informs my politics. But it doesn't tell me anything like that. So I think for myself, the only thing that I can do is to kind of uh, come to this conclusion that I am, you know, I'm, I'm apolitical at this point. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to vote. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, all these things. It doesn't mean anything, really. It just means that when it comes to politics, when it comes to this world, when it comes to um, current events, I just throw my hands up and I say, you know, we kind of knew this was going to happen. The Bible tells us that things are going to get worse, that, <laughs> you know, that we live in a, a world of <clears throat> of sin and despair and depravity. And, you know, when whenever I see politicians acting like politicians or warlords acting like warlords, or, you know, I see people doing what the Bible says that people were going to do, I just look and I say, yeah, that's, that's par for the course. So... <clears throat> Baked into this whole political discussion is, of course, the idea of policy. You know, you have your uh, foreign policy. You have your policy on the, the certain amendments of the Constitution. You have policy on health care. You have all your tax policy and blah, blah, blah. You have all these policy decisions. And then on the other side, you know, because you have the—that was like law stuff. On the other side of that, you have like your uh, interaction with people, okay? Because you can have great ideas, but if you're not, you know, charismatic, then you're going to be in a think tank giving the charismatic guy the thing to say. You're not going to be, uh, you know, a forerunner. You know, you're, you're basically just going to be uh, someone who gets tore apart by the charismatic people like Donald Trump. You know, we've seen these in these great debates and stuff where, you know, Donald Trump is calling people out and telling them that their wives look this way and so and so's fat. Or, you know, it's like all these things. It's just a he's, He's bullying people, and you know we all just kind of think that's funny, but like in the back of our mind as a Christian, we know like I wouldn't have said that to someone you know we want to spread love we want to spread uh you know uh, patience with people we don't want to you know scream at anybody and just be brash with people because we're trying to lead them to Christ, right so, One of the first red flags that I had with Donald Trump was the fact that, you know, he calls himself a Christian, but he acts in such a way that is is not very Christian-like. And that was one of those things I kind of put in the back of my mind. And I didn't really care all that much because, you know, we see this sort of thing all the time. You see people who claim Christianity and, and... they just don't act Christian. And and it's not one of those things that I'm going to sit here and judge someone and, and say, hey, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. You're not. Why are you not doing that? It's something like, you know, I, I kind of just sit back, I pray. And if that specific person were to ask me my opinion on something, I'd be glad to give them to him. But I'm not going to, you know, go and hold someone down and, and force them to act the way that I want them to act. And you're certainly not going to do that with uh, the president of the United States. So what we see in Trump and his family is that they, they kind of play this game, and they're very open about this. We play the game. We, um, you know, I used to, here's something Don Jr. said in a recent interview that he used to go to these parties before, and um, before you know they were famous for being politicians, and he would play the game. There's no indication to suggest that he stopped playing this game. You know, it's game of politics. The game of politics is just to get people onto your side. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. It, let me get into the nitty gritties, okay? Because a friend of mine sent me something yesterday that um, he told me it made him angry. And when I saw what it was, I was very angry too. And it, it's something that should be so blatant that the fact that people weren't more upset about it really triggered something within me. Now, I'll I'll preface this with saying this. What I'm about to read off of and what I'm about to show you is something that has since been deleted. It was only up for a little while. But even though it was only up for just a little while, it was liked by, um, at the time of this screenshot, 8,385 people. So 8,385. 85 people liked this photo okay and um, <clears throat> this is a an Instagram post from Donald J Trump jr. of course this is Don jr's uh, oldest son he's, he's Trump jr so uh, or it's a picture of Jesus and you know he's doing his saintly uh, thing with the halo around his head <clears throat> and it says at the top sorry <coughs> let me drink this really quick sorry brought to you by Dr. Pepper. I wish. Anyways, so do you know who else was arrested this week before Easter? Now I'm recording this on uh, Saturday before Palm Sunday. Okay. If you don't know what Palm Sunday is, Palm Sunday is uh, the day that Jesus entered into the city where he would soon be arrested and tried uh, falsely, and would be uh, sentenced to death under Pontius Pilate, and he would be crucified next to two men. He would be buried in a tomb, and or he would die on the cross. He'd be pierced in his side. He would die on the cross. He would be buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he would rise again. Don Jr.'s comment on this says, just saying, the symbolism is amazing. They're literally doing this just in time for Easter. Just like Jesus. The Satanists of the radical left just wouldn't understand. Now understand. I agree that it's odd timing. That it's a quinky dink. But if I ever... Post on Instagram that my own father is like Jesus. Strike me down. And I mean that. Listen, this just plays into, and I'm going to show you more evidence of this, okay? This is not a slam dunk like, oh, you know, this has been deleted. This is something that was posted by a man with 6.3 million followers. And he's saying something... So radical, so stupid, if I could say that. Just like Jesus. My dad, he's getting arrested. First off, he's getting arrested. I'm going to go off. Donald Trump is being arrested, as political as it may be, for, a, for a, an accountant error. For what? For paying off a prostitute. Now, I, look, listen, I understand. A man can be born again. God knows I am. Okay, I have been washed in the blood, and I used to be the the same sort of decrepit nature as this man, Donald Trump. Listen, we're all sinful. The Bible tells us we are all sinful we are all fallen short of the glory of God but listen if you're getting if you're getting arrested for paying off a hooker in essence as political as it may be don't don't. <laughs> Don't tell me he's like Jesus. There's like 55 different reasons why he's nothing like Jesus, okay? Let's just give you a couple of them. Number one, Donald Trump is not the son of God, okay? Number two, if Donald Trump died tomorrow, don't wait for him to, to raise up in three days. Number three, if if Donald Trump is anything like Jesus, he's not acting like Jesus, okay? Nothing like Jesus. Jesus was an apolitical person, Okay? They came up to Jesus and they said, who should we, who should we pay taxes to? They say we should pay him to here. And then they say, or this person says we should pay over here. He said, well, flip the coin. What's it say? Render unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? Jesus essentially took the position of like, look, man, this is the system you live in. You know, do you, do you want to fight the government? You want to spend your life doing this? Or do you want to glorify God? Just render unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? Render unto God what is God's. Pretty simple, right? And look, we could go on and on and on and on. Donald Trump is not the, the creator of the universe. He's not the word that was at the beginning, okay? There's books written about, about uh, um, Donald Trump, but the Bible says that the words of Jesus couldn't be contained in a book. <laughs> I mean, look, for you to say, just like Jesus. It's, it's you, um, striking a chord with someone. It's not as if Donald Trump Jr. really believes this sort of thing. I, and look, he, he might, he might actually believe this sort of thing. Um, I lean towards, he doesn't, I lean towards this as a stunt. This is something, um, <clears throat> you put out there knowing that you're probably going to take it down, but it gets to the people that you need it to get to. Okay. It's kind of like, um, I like in this sort of post to, um, you ever watch like court TV or something like that? And you have, uh, attorneys going at it, you know, you have the plaintiffs and the defendants and you have, um, the one account or accountant. Well, the one attorney says something to the judge that is just totally off the wall, out of pocket. And, and then the other, it forces the other attorney to say, objection, But the reason why the first attorney said it in the first place is so that it gets in the ear of the jury. This really makes judges mad, right? Because it's like, now you've, now you've kind of tainted what we have going on here. And, uh, I remember watching the Kyle Rittenhouse case and there was a couple of times where the judge was like stopping the trial and had the jury, um, leave so that he could bring the attorneys up and tell them like, y'all need to, chill it on this, you know, certain issue because we've already discussed that the jury doesn't need to know about this. This is not something that has a lot of evidence. It's not that. And you keep making this claim and you're going to end up causing a mistrial because of you doing this. I see this as the same sort of tactic of screaming something out, getting something out there, which it obviously did. It obviously has 8,385 likes At the time of this screenshot, and then it was deleted. So I just like, I don't understand why you would make this correlation unless you're playing into the um, trying to play and, and try to say something to the evangelical right, the MAGA right. You know what I mean? I don't understand why you would say that sort of thing. So I I do, I see it as a, as a political ploy to um, rile people up and especially the Christians that follow this. Okay. Now, what does this sort of thing remind you of? Well, it's obviously cult leaders. And I don't want to be like, Oh yeah, Donald Trump's in a cult. Listen, nobody else in history really comes through and says, I'm like Jesus or so-and-so is like Jesus or, um, I am God. Unless they're a cult leader, they're crazy, or they're actually saying the the true thing, which was Jesus, right? Jesus came on the scene and, and he told the, the Pharisees, like, before Abraham was, I am. That's him telling the Pharisees, like, I'm, I'm God. I am the son of God. Okay. So <clears throat> anybody other than Jesus that's made this claim has been a crazy person has been a legitimate crazy person. You know, it's funny too, because this is the 30th anniversary, um, this past month, or I, I, I guess technically in, in March, it was a 53 day standoff in Waco, Texas of, um, the FBI and the branch Davidians. And one of the main tenets of this branch Davidian, um, following that they had this cult down in um, Waco, Texas, and there's books and books and books on this, was that David Koresh told them that he was Jesus, that he was the second coming of Jesus. So, like, not only, if like, if you believe this, if you think Don Jr. is doing the right thing here, telling his supporters, his followers, that, like, hey, look, hmm, maybe there's something here, then you're putting... Donald Trump in the same shoes as David Koresh, which we know is a crazy person. We understand and we know without a shadow of a doubt, David Koresh was a crazy person. So that's probably all I want to say about this, about this Instagram post, but we'll, we'll move on to something else. Okay. So I was, because of the nature of this being an Instagram post and the Instagram post getting taken down I didn't feel like, and you guys should know by now, like, I don't want to say something on this podcast that is um, something that could be totally false. You know what I mean? I don't want to, uh, I don't want to bring up a point that is based on nothing. Right. So um, I did some more digging and I found a, a resource. Um, well, it's, it's a, it's from a, another podcast, Timcast IRL. Okay, if you guys know Tim Poole, then you'll know this. Tim I'm pretty positive lives in West Virginia. But this is one of those... Um shows that is very conservative leaning. He has a lot of people come on. It's like a, a brand new person every single time that he has a show. Well, this specific one, I, I decided, hey, um, I know that they're conservative leaning, so I'll listen to his show. Maybe he's had someone come on and talk about, uh, maybe not this specific thing, but they've talked about something around these uh, ideas. Because here's the point. If this is the, the type of tweet, uh, the the type of Instagram post that you'll make, then there's probably a lot more people than just you who, uh, think the same sort of thing. So that was kind of my idea. And, um, so I, I get on this podcast and I start listening to it and, uh, lo and behold, they're going to have Don Jr. Call in to the show. So this was, um, oh, when was it yesterday? Uh, yeah, March 31st, 2023. Um, it's called Trump Jr. calls in to discru- to discuss uh, Trump indictment. And uh, <clears throat> in the middle of it, one of the guys, Ian, that's on the show um so has this to say incredibly unfairly you know what the metaphor i want i want is with it's like donald's donald trump your dad don don senior is like on his knees and they're like they're like beating him beating, beating, metaphorically you know in the movie and he's like his face so bloody knees down and he looks up at the guy and looks him in the eyes and he says you're pardoned
1: i said i didn't say the word pardoned like, but you know i used to be famous what? for you're
0: fired you're pardoned yeah like, he's pardoning his enemies because that's the christ-like thing to do So what Ian's talking about there on the show is, sorry. So what Ian's talking about on the show is, you know, he has this mental picture of um, Trump being arrested, being, uh, you know, whatever. And he's on his knees and he's being beaten. And in the midst of him being beaten, he looks up at his uh, his accusers and he tells them, you're pardoned. And the reason why he thinks that this is so cool is because, in his own words, that's the Christ-like thing to do. Because this thing used to be, you're fired, now he's pardoning people. Okay? So again, you have this same idea of this Messiah politician, of Trump is our savior, of Trump is this and that. And you have people who are literally uh, making Donald Trump akin to Christ. And that's very, very, very problematic. This is not something that a Christian can, can let go of, you know, this is heresy. This is not something that we should take lightly. You know, we, we shouldn't allow this to go on. And that's exactly why I'm doing a podcast on it. Because even though I'm, um, you know, I might be on the other side of this thing, even though I might receive a lot of hate for this sort of thing. You can't, you cannot deny my passion for Christ, okay? And you cannot deny the fact that this sort of thing is a, um, it's a, a shared. Uh, idea among the MAGA, right? Because these are Trump supporters, obviously it's Trump's son. And, and then there was a Trump supporter here and Ian or they're talking about this idea that Trump is like this Messiah figure, this salvation figure that he's going to, now that he's been arrested on this, you know, this Palm Sunday, like now he's, somehow he's just like Christ. Like, Oh my God, can you not see it? Is what they would say. Like, of course, everything's going as planned and you see all these things. And it's like, no, no, that's a different Jesus. This is a different gospel. This is a, this is an, a Western American, uh, political gospel that is heresy and it needs to be stopped because vote all you want, be as political as you want, but not, but don't leave this to get there, okay? You can't leave Jesus at the door and go act however you want, okay, This is the bedrock of every Christian's life. You cannot leave Jesus where you want him and go and do whatever you want when I don't care what position of power you're in. Donald Trump, as president, couldn't leave his Christianity at the door of the Oval Office and then go and take care of business. That's not how Christians conduct ourselves. That's not how things work. That's not how Jesus has called us to live. We have been called to live with Christ. We are, we are, the Spirit lives within us. We cannot leave the Spirit behind because when we leave the Spirit behind, we leave Jesus, we leave the, the true vine. Okay, check this out. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. When you are indwelt in with the Spirit, when you are putting your faith in Jesus, you are part of that true vine. For you to leave this vine, right, to, to cut yourself off, it would be essentially what you're doing, would be cutting yourself off from this vine. You're no longer putting your faith in Jesus, okay? Because for a moment, you have to put faith in yourself to get a problem solved, right? And that's the same thing that happened, I'm sure, with... with with Donald Trump. I mean, if he truly was a Christian when he went into office and then he had all these, you know, backroom deals and we're going to send arms over here. And, uh, even though we know that this will solve, um, a problem over here and, and there will be lives destroyed over here. Like there was never, um, well, I can't say there was never, but there was, there was always a, a tinge of, you know, I'm going to get it done and I'm going to get it done how I want it to get done. you you know what I mean? There was never, um, I'm just going to do it how I need to do it. Right? And this sort of mentality again, I want to point something else out. This is the same mentality that you're seeing um from Don Jr. again, where this was in um 2021. And this is a um an article from baptistnews.com, okay? But this was a pretty famous uh speech that was going on. Okay. This was a, a, turning point, um, action. Um, I think Charlie, is it Charlie Kirk maybe who who starts turning point or whatever it is, but anyways, Don Junior's here. He's on stage and he's talking to a bunch of, of, uh, conservative, uh, kids. You know, I call them kids. I'm, I'm 28 and getting ready to turn 29. These are college kids. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> one of the things that they say, and I'll just read you the, the, The article here, it says Donald Trump Jr., one of the nation's foremost apologists for the one-at-all-cost politics of his father, told an evangelical Christian crowd, December 19th, 2021, that they've spent half a century turning the other cheek as Jesus taught, and it hasn't worked out for them. Trump Jr.'s speech at the Turning Point USA gathering in Phoenix first was reported by Raw Story, then Relevant Magazine, under the headline, quote, Biblical Scholar Donald Trump Jr., tells young conservatives that following the Bible has, quote, gotten us nothing. Then it was reported by Peter Wayne, uh, Peter Wainer of The Atlantic under the headline, The Gospel of Donald Trump Jr. While none of the Trump family has strong ties to any church, or has demonstrated any pattern of church attendance, Trump Jr. acknowledged in his otherwise incendiary speech that he knew he would ruffle some feathers by speaking ill of the teaching of Jesus. Exactly how he believes conservative Republicans have turned the other cheek in America's culture wars was not clear. So here you have the same man, Donald Trump Jr., who's you know going around, he's speaking probably just as much as his father is, but very obviously on the same team. He's very obviously wanting his his father back into the Oval Office and all these things. And he's going around and, and he'll make statements like, you know, basically, my dad is like Jesus, who have podcasts who are saying things like, you know, yeah, he reminds me of Jesus. You know, I'd want him to, you know, pardon all these people because he's like Jesus and he has that power and blah, blah, blah. And then you have the same guy who goes around and he'll say these sorts of things to a, a group of what they call evangelical college kids, an evangelical Christian crowd, uh, and and saying things like, um, you know, I know this is going to ruffle feathers, me, you know, picking on Jesus, but us turning the other cheek hasn't helped at all. Well, that's just ludicrous. <laughs> Like are you going to seriously call yourself a Christian, a a Christian and not follow the teachings of Christ? What what sense does that make? I I'm a Christian but yet I I don't I don't want to follow that. What does that remind you of? What sort of Christian does that remind you of? It reminds me of the type of Christian that would say, "God, I'll follow you this far, but I'm not going to I'm not going to let you have that," right? This is like I feel like I'm preaching a sermon that everyone has heard eight times in their life. Like, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. This is not how things work. This is God's world. We live in it. It's unwise to think that um, John, Donald Trump has anything close to a, a, a Christ like attitude. Towards things, it's it's ludicrous to think that you know Donald Trump has anything close to a um, a salvation um, mindset. You know, it's it's ludicrous to think that Donald Trump can save us in any sort of way similar to Jesus. You know, like why are we playing games like this? Why are we flirting with this heresy? And I I hate that I even had to make this video. I hate that I even had to go down this road, but you know, it it gets to a point now where like, and again, probably deal with this more um, in my area being that, you know, this state was, we voted for Trump more than anybody else in the, in the nation. So we probably deal with it a lot more in my home churches and people around here than we do anywhere else. But it's almost like anytime you have a conversation with someone and and you'll start talking about Jesus, it turns to politics. And I admit it used to be worse than it is, but going into campaign season, it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. And I had to make the, the point that this stuff is crazy To say that Jesus and Trump share some sort of anything is ludicrous. And we cannot live our lives like this. We have to lean on Christ. We have to lean on on our faith and let that drive our life. Don't let the, the politics of the day drive our life. You know, everything in prayer, everything in prayer, read your Bible. Guys, I can't stress that enough. Everything will be taken care of all your heresy, all this stuff that, that is surrounding you nowadays, read your Bible. It'll take care of everything. So guys love you. Thank you. Um, follow me on everything. Get you a mug of mugs and men at Gmail, Instagram, Facebook, daily devotions. Love you guys. And I'll see you later.